Tuesday, everyone, and welcome back to an episode of Fingers Crossed Podcast. We are back with you to have another day of, well, I was about to say laughter, but this isn't necessarily a happy episode, so that's probably not the best word to start on, but of deep thoughts and discussions and conversations about topics. You know, it still can be a happy episode yeah. in the sense that we're talking about something that's worth talking about. It doesn't always have to be a ha-ha happy. It can be like a happy and <laughs> uplifting, r- yeah, change uplifting of perspective. That it's uh, validating, you know, yeah. maybe you, happiness and validation of something important. But anyway, hi guys, we're your hosts. I'm Sierra. And I'm Christy. And that's Christy. That's me. And this topic, you may be wondering, or not wondering, since you already clicked on it and read the title, we are talking about toxic positivity, which I feel like has come up here and there woven into our episodes, like we've mentioned it and referenced it, but we really wanted to dive deep on the topic, especially in this past year of so many things going wrong, and just like the truth of how positivity isn't always the answer and how sometimes it can backfire and doesn't always make everything better to pretend it's okay when it's not. So we have many things to talk about. There's so many different perspectives. I kind of think that even me and Sierra might have some different thoughts on this too. So I'm very eager to get into this discussion, this conversation. I think it's it's definitely good to have varying perspectives and I think I agree I think there's some things we'll agree on and disagree on and that's that's what makes this fun is our varied perspectives our bi-coastal brains our multi aren't you so glad we didn't decide to name the podcast bi-coastal brains <laughs> was that on the table no, I think it no, was, bi- I, was... I think bi-coastal besties was something no, I thought I never would have like oh, okay <laughs> I know. I'm saying I was it was something say I I, that when correctly. we were brainstorming. It was one of the things I came up with. Well, um, anyway, here we are. Fingers crossed. So we also not only have the two of the bi-coastal besties perspectives, but we're also, of course, inviting your stories and your questions and perspectives on this, too. And we got a lot of feedback when we posted the stories, um, kind of announcing that we were talking about this and just introducing the topic. I saw a lot of messages that were like, wow, I'm so glad we're talking about this. I feel this so hard. I experienced this a lot in my life. And, you know, sometimes we don't really know how to respond to it because you don't want to be like, you know, people are trying to help and they have good intentions and you don't just want to be like, this is toxic, you know, because it's right. not their intention. And it's a tricky way to navigate it, especially when it's like family and people that care and they don't know that they're, you know, approaching it in a way that actually is harmful so it's just interesting to have the discussion and see like what we can do and if we're being you know toxically positive in our own lives too without even realizing it which i can definitely attest to (laughs) we'll dive into the full thing later i just want to say this one thought before i forget it i think there's a big generational gap in toxic positivity just because it's Mm. a it's a new concept it's not it's not something that's like always been around i mean i think obviously Toxic well, it's been positivity around, has been around, it, but having yeah, a term for it and acknowledging that it isn't always good. And I think that especially in, you know, older generations, people were not encouraged to talk about their feelings. It was never, it was like not, you know, you was very much, you know, you tough it out, you pull up your man pants and, you know, especially with men, you know, that there's, that's just so much of what the culture was. So I think when it comes to family members, oftentimes they don't realize they're doing it because they think they're doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. They think that they're, you know, helping when in fact... Oftentimes people feel invalidated. So we'll get into more of that later. And it's also like, it's never 
from a bad place. Like, it's never like, I'm going to be so positive that it ruins their day. You know what I mean? No, it's never malicious. (laughs) But I think sometimes it can come from someone's uncomfortability with a deep subject. True. I think that someone's own uncomfortability, which can be selfish and not like in an intentional, like, I am selfish. I want to make this all about me. But some people are you know, going through such a hard time themselves or they don't know mm-hmm. how to open up like that, like, they can't... their own problems. Yeah, like, they can't handle someone else's struggle. And so they just do do the fair-weather friend thing, which we'll get into later, this concept of the, the bad-weather friend versus the fair-weather friend. So, yeah, before we get into this whole thing, we just got to catch up. There's a lot going on. Um... Christy, is there anything you, you want to say before I just, like, take no, the No, I'm going to let you it? take the floor. <laughs> okay, so, essentially, long story short... Um, uh, it's there, not going to be. <laughs> it's not. Okay, I'll do my best. But I, I need backstory. I'm, this is me. I, like, I can't tell a story without backstory because if someone's, like, left Oh, no, you need context. You need context. Okay. I was like, why did we almost get rabies this weekend? It's, it's not like... You, you have to give context. So, um, there is this cat. There's this cat that has been living at Jason and I's apartment complex for, um, like August is when it showed up. And he is the sweetest cat. We've been feeding this cat outdoors. We made him this little outdoor apartment. We would have taken him inside, but we also, we have a current cat and we didn't know if he had fleas, if he had, you know, feline leukemia, like all these things. We just, we weren't able to bring another cat inside right now. Wait, just quick comment. How did you know for sure that he didn't have a home? Well, we didn't. Um, he didn't have a collar, and he was at our apartment complex, like, all the time. And he was getting fed at one of our other neighbors, uh, like, one of our other units. They were feeding him, usually at night, and then we were putting food out for him in the morning. And he was just around all the time. And he had never been around before that. He just showed up one day and then, like, stayed. He was, like, sleeping under the house. So if he did have a home, he wasn't there very much. So you saw him, like, at night still sleeping at the building yeah we'd see him at night and during the day but we were like okay on our agenda for like the far future to-do list is we're gonna get him taken to a vet and see if he's microchipped because you know they microchip dogs and cats in case they get lost don't have a collar we thought he's got to have an owner somewhere on thursday jason and i finally decided like okay we are gonna put operation cat rescue into effect today we were gonna take him to the vet get him or to the animal urgent care, get him checked for a chip, get him like a physical because he'd also gotten in a fight recently. That's another key detail. The neighbor texted me, one of the neighbors who takes care of him, texted me a picture of him and his eye was all swollen. He had cuts all over his head and it looked like he'd gotten in a fight. And we were like, okay, that was kind of the catalyst that was like, we need to get this plan in motion because if he is you know, in a fight, he could get an infection. Like, we all feel very connected and responsible for this cat. You know, we need to get him medical care. So we got him in the carrier we get a text from the neighbors that they got him in the carrier. So then I was still coming home from work, but Jason took him to the animal urgent care. And in the car on the way to animal urgent care, we learned that this cat, who we call Serge, um, is a very strong cat. And he punched his way through the carrier. And oh, wait, was, open the door? He opened the door of the oh carrier. My God. And it was like a, a mesh zipper while door. While Jason he, like, was driving? While Jason was driving. So. Oh, the cat was so loose scary. in the car. And so Jason like looked over his shoulder and saw the cat staring at him right behind his shoulder while Wait, he was I driving. I did not realize this part of the story at all. So anyway, Jason was like, okay, so clearly this cat has figured out a way to get out of the carrier. So like we got to keep that in mind going from the parking lot into the actual urgent care. We got him from the carrier into the vet and there were no problems, checked him in, all that. And then 
as we were ready to take him home, like get him in the carrier and take him home. Oh, another key detail. My family in Las Vegas were willing to adopt this cat or essentially like, you know, maybe foster him long term, adopt him, you know, nurse him back to health. And so they were planning on driving out from Las Vegas that same night and then driving back with him in the car. Anyway, so as Jason was picking him up from after he was done with his vet appointment, he had his arm over the mesh panel that Serge had broken through before. He had his arm like over the panel so that he couldn't break through it again. He was essentially being a barrier, a second barrier to the door. And Serge tried to break through with his little paw, tried to punch through. And this was like on the side of, you know, the Burbank Street, like very busy. And so Serge saw Jason. I did not picture a cat punching a door. <laughs> He's a strong boy. He's a strong boy. It sounds little like Tom a cartoon cat. episode. Yeah. So Jason's hand was on the mesh door, and Serge reached through the mesh door with his claws, grabbed onto Jason's finger, and then launched his teeth into Jason's hand. And so Jason got a pretty gnarly cat bite. They were deep puncture wounds. And then the vet immediately was like, oh, guys, like, I got to tell you, that's bad news. Um, first of all, this is a stray cat and you don't know what kind of diseases he's got. We don't know if he has rabies, especially because he got in a fight three days earlier, which meant it could have been like with a raccoon because we have raccoons in our neighborhood, which are high risk for rabies. So she was like, you guys, you got to go to urgent care ASAP. You got to get on antibiotics. Like it, it became all of a sudden like... You just got to take care of this. So then the next morning we get up, we go to urgent care and they give him some antibiotics and they say that his finger is definitely, you know, starting to be infected already, but that, you know, it should be fine. But we definitely want to go to the hospital to get the rabies vaccine because no urgent cares carry the rabies vaccine prophylaxis because prophylaxis because it's super rare. We go to the ER and tell them the whole story. And they bring us into a room in the back, get us comfortable, and they have the nurse meet with us, do the whole thing. And, you know, he definitely needs not only a rabies shot, but a tetanus shot, as well as an injection of antibiotics directly into the wound on his hand, which he said was incredibly painful. And then this doctor comes in, and then another doctor comes in, and they're like, all right, well, this is pretty serious. Like, the infection's getting worse. We have to see the hand specialist and the OR hand surgeon. And all of a sudden, everything just started amping up, like, so quick, so fast, including one of the um, hand specialist in the ER was like freaking out and he was like, he needs to get his IV drip going now with these antibiotics. Like, why didn't he get those three hours ago? Like, this is very serious. And like, you should be saying those things like out of earshot of the patient because Jason and I, I've been sitting in there like vlogging, like, you know, just casually like, hey guys. Yeah, so hey, he from documenting the- this whole thing on YouTube. Like, hey, for here for the ER, like, hey guys. And then all of a sudden it got really serious and I was like, well, I feel like an ass. Like, I'm not trying to, like, exploit this here, but I didn't realize, like, how serious it was getting. They had to do some surgical things on his hand, and they numbed it, and then ended up giving us the tools so we could do it again at home later that night. Oh, and you I, had to play surgeon for I his had hand. to play surgeon at home. They, like, gave us, like, a DIY scalpels like, for dummies kit to take home that I was, like... <laughs> Like, I was doing, like, forceps and a scalpel, like, in our bathroom, and I was like, I am not trained or qualified oh for this. Anyway, so then they told us to come back to the hospital at 7.30 the next morning to have a follow-up with the hand surgeon to see if he had to go into emergency surgery to further get the infection out of his hand to make sure it wasn't going into his tendons. And obviously, we were both, like, really nervous about that because, I mean, nobody wants to go into surgery. Like, they had us come into the appointment with him, like, not having eaten anything in preparation to go into surgery if they needed to. Thankfully, thankfully, 
it was healing well. The antibiotics were doing their thing. The swelling was going down. And so he did not have to go into emergency surgery. And as a result, you know, we just have to do these, like, wound washes twice he's a day. He's on the mend, and, everyone. You know, he's Jason on the Jason will so. live. So that yeah. is the good news. I know. That was... I, I really should have condensed that to a shorter story. But it just, like, there are just so many moving parts that literally have started with this stray cat and then the cat getting adopted by my parents who drew drove eight hours in one night. Problem is, rabies is such a serious disease. It actually is the most lethal disease known, I believe, because it has a 99.9% uh, fatality rate. That is if so you, crazy. If you get rabies. Like, if you start showing signs of having rabies, like any symptoms, you're done for. Like, you cannot treat rabies. You can only prevent rabies. So they had to start Jason on prevention from day one because if he... I don't even want to think about it. Ah, just scary. So... Well, let the lemonade be the lesson that you can share with other people on the precautions that you must immediately take if you are bitten yes. or scratched. Can you get rabies from a scratch? Or is it just um, It's the saliva that is what is most... I mean, cat scratches okay. can get infected. They're important to clean them with hydrogen peroxide or iodine. Um, use, you know, bacitracin or neosporin or anything like that, you know, for cleaning and antibiotic properties. However, they cat bites are specifically bad. I mean, small dogs as Spin well. Dogs, but, yeah. But big dogs, less so. And the reason is because the smaller the puncture wound, the harder it is to heal because it will start to heal over with the bacteria inside. That's essentially the lesson is cat bites that draw blood can get very serious very quickly, especially if it's deep and especially if, you know, the cat, you know, potentially was a stray or had, you know, lots of outdoor diseases. I mean, indoor cats, too, really. They're just they just have a lot of bacteria. So. Um, it's really important. And again, this is not going to get this severe for everyone. So I don't want to scare anybody, but this is what happened to us. And it's just something that where you should get pre like preventative antibiotics, potentially rabies shots. Just potent seek medical attention you know, ASAP. Yeah. <laughs> seek medical attention don't ASAP risk if, it. if you're bit by a cat or dog or snake or anything, really. It's just, you know, it's just something Imagine you got to do. Imagine being bit because... by a snake and you're like, eh, I don't need to go to a doctor. <laughs> yeah, I'll be fine. He's such a trooper. I honestly... If it were me, I would have no tears left to cry and not in a good like Ariana Grande way, but like in I would have cried out so many tears in like fear and you would pain. have been dehydrated kind of way, yeah. Yeah, so he's such a trooper and that's definitely been the crazy lemon and like this weekend like both of us were planning to like, oh, I'm going to get ahead on my emails and my social media stuff. He's like, I'm going to be applying to these jobs. Like, we're going to have this great productive weekend. And then Meanwhile, you know, in the ER. We, um, <laughs> my week was pretty calm. And even my, like, craziest, um, you know, drama would be, like, 1 60th of yours. So well, there's no, but no that's, comparison. <laughs> it's all relative. That's the whole point of what this episode is about. Is like, if you had an issue or something that went wrong... It doesn't make it. It doesn't make it not matter just because I literally went through that whole thing at the emergency. Just because room. my boyfriend was at risk of death doesn't mean your problems aren't valid. <laughs> well, that's the whole point of what we're talking about. Is everyone's struggle is relative. So that is true, and that is the point of the lemons and lemonade segment. Is not to you know make it all about. Well, it doesn't matter that you had this lemon in this really tough time this week. Like, there's a lemonade. Just think on the bright side. Blah blah blah. It's about like recognizing you know, how difficult it was, but also the good parts of it too. So 
At least know we what can the lemonade take is. the lessons from yours yes. while acknowledging the uh, turmoil that came with it. And the real lemonade out of it is that Serge the cat now has a new home and he is rescued and he's going to become a happy little indoor cat with a loving family. And you, and know, you can visit him. No good deed goes unpunished. Yeah. It'll be a, a better life for him, I believe. <laughs> and a better life for Jason now that he uh, is rabies free. Anyway, um, on that note, let's talk about toxic positivity. Yeah, let's. We have a lot to talk about. We did some polls because it's always interesting to see, like, where people stand on certain issues and, like, the topics that we're talking about. And we're going to kind of start the conversation there to see what you guys said about toxic positivity. Also, it's funny because I'm looking back at the archives of our Instagram at fingerscrosspod and there's like Sierra literally posted stories asking for questions for our next episode from the ER. So if you follow us on Instagram, you probably saw those. All right, guys. So we're just taking a quick break real quick to talk about our sponsor for today's episode, which is Curology. And I'm definitely really excited to talk about what Curology can do for you and what it's done for me. So I'm very thankful that Curology is working with us today. So I have struggled with acne like as long as I can remember. I mean, and it was the kind of thing that I thought it was going to like completely go away after high school, you know, kind of like the pimply teenager phase. But it's something that has kind of been an ongoing struggle for me. And we all have different skin, you know, issues, whether it's, you know, premature aging or dry skin. We all have our struggles, but I have definitely struggled a lot with controlling adult acne. So Curology is really awesome because it is an online service where you can customize your skincare, work with a dermatology provider, and they can help you find real treatment that works for your skin. So Curology will customize a prescription formula for you with three active ingredients picked for you to tackle whatever your skincare needs are. Uh, For me, I wanted to work on adult acne as well as fine lines and anti-aging. And to get your treatment plan, you can start by answering some questions online about your skin. And you also send in your pictures to Curology. This is something that totally blew me away. They ask for pictures of the front of your face, the left side, the right side, and I took pictures of my shoulders and back that I all submitted into Curology so that they could see exactly what my skin looked like. So then once you've sent all of that in, it all goes into the process and is evaluated by your dermatology provider. And then Curology sets you up with a personalized treatment plan and ships your custom formula right to your door. In my kit, I got three different products. I got the cleanser, the formula, and then the moisturizer. So it's like a three-step process. My personal formula had niacinamide and clindamycin, which is a prescription strength acne medication, and I was really blown away at the level of strength and what was in my formula, and it definitely felt like they were taking my concerns seriously, um, nothing was brushed off, and that Curology really wanted to help me find a treatment that worked for me. So you can take control of your acne, dark spots, breakouts, or whatever your personal unique concerns may be with a powerful skincare treatment made for you. So go to Curology.com slash fingers crossed for a free 30-day trial. You just pay for shipping and handling. That's C-U-R-O-L-O-G-Y.com slash fingers crossed to unlock your free 30-day trial. And you can see Curology.com for all the details. We asked, you answered, we got a lot of really interesting insights and stories and questions from you all on the topic of toxic positivity. So 
we're just going to dive in. Actually, first, I do want to read one of the um, little graphics I posted with the polls was about readjusting your mindset. And just to like set the stage of toxic positivity, if you don't know what we're talking about, maybe we should do like a little backstory. Okay, so we have a few articles that we referenced that we will also have in the description box of this podcast if you guys want to do some further reading, some more research. This is from the psychologygroup.com. And their definition is, we define toxic positivity as the excessive and ineffective overgeneralization of a happy, optimistic state across all situations. The process of toxic positivity results in the denial, minimization, and invalidation of the authentic human emotional experience. That is a really good definition if you ask me. Like, I would have just said, it's a positive bitches being too positive <laughs> it's yeah like when people say you know cheer up it'll all get better but like mm-hmm. what does that mean right I think so the- i do want to give some context with this graphic that i posted i think it'll kind of help paint the picture if maybe you hear that and it's a little abstract this is like what to say instead of some phrases that might be toxically positive positive. and that's not mm-hmm. to say like it is a very nuanced topic and there is a fine line which is what we got a lot of questions about too. And it's not to say that saying these things in the toxic column are always toxic either and that you should right. never say these, but it just depends on the situation and like whatever we're get to, we'll get there. But first I think I what it is is like some. you have to make sure that this is not the only thing you're saying. You know, mm-hmm. like if someone is saying, you know, I I I lost my pet today or I I lost my job or I'm really upset about XYZ that like you don't just jump to the yeah. quick like, oh well it'll all get better. But that doesn't mean it. saying, yeah. oh, it'll all get better is a toxic statement. It's just like, it's all about the context and, you know, making sure that someone's str- struggle is validated. That's yeah, what we're getting at. you're hearing so. them and not just like talking over them with a bunch of like happy quotes, you know? So exactly. this is, so these are like the toxic versus the validating things you can say instead. So these are very like simplistic, very generic kind of things, but just to give some context of examples. So, toxic. Don't worry. Be happy. <laughs> Add Bob Marley. Add Bob Marley. <laughs> toxic positivity. And the validating option for instead of saying that would be, it's okay not to be okay. So, it's, again, like validating someone's feelings and not just like throwing happiness at them and seeing if it helps, you know? And then I'll read a few other ones. Toxic would be, it could be worse, which I find myself saying all the time. And validating could be other people's life experiences don't make yours less important. Very true. Toxic would be good vibes only. (laughs) (laughs) Who says that out loud in a sentence? Um, Validating. I've seen that on like 75 Brandy Melville t shirts. Yeah, on like a sign. Um, And then the validating option would be all feelings are valid. Mm -hmm. Literally valid. Toxic would be never give up, you can do it. Validating would be sometimes failure leads to something better. Do what you need to do. Love that. And mm-hmm. finally, toxic might be just think happy thoughts. <laughs> and validating would be this is hard. How do you feel and what do you need? So it's about not just like painting over and brushing over the seriousness of someone's problem, but rather digging deep to actually address it with them and help them in a way that they can maybe get to a more positive space, but not forced, but actually by addressing their problems. And like, sometimes it's not even offering solutions. It's just hearing them and letting them vent and get it out of their system. 
and let them feel their feelings and not diminish them. So that's kind of the gist of toxic positivity. And again, we're going to go more in depth with different aspects of it as we get into the articles and things. But we did want to start with some polls. So now with that background, you guys can uh, hear some of these polls. The first one, has someone in your life used toxic positivity in the past week? 76% of people said yes, and 24% said no. Which is interesting because I wanted to specify a time frame like recently because I feel like everyone could say, unless you like don't think that toxic positivity exists or something, anyone could say like, yes, someone in their lifetime. But just to see how frequent and often this actually does come up, uh, 76% of people in the past week. So that's pretty wild. The next one says, do you ever find yourself trying to shame your own feelings with toxic positivity that has an 85% yes and 15% no? And I think that this is a lot of the culture around toxic positivity ends up manifesting in self-toxic positivity because you read these things online and these things that are shared. And I think that you end up, instead of internalizing that and then preaching it more on others, I feel like at least with myself, I see that. And then it makes me feel bad about myself or makes me feel bad for experiencing certain feelings. And then I like turn it on myself. I think it's easy to hold yourself to a different standard, even subconsciously about like what you're allowing yourself to think and feel and all of that and like policing your own thoughts. I guess it's different. Like policing your thoughts is different than policing your feelings, but trying to like overcorrect your feelings with thoughts that aren't validating those feelings, it's it's not going to actually help at all. You know, it's mm-hmm. just going to make you feel bad and worse about you know, guilt for these feelings that you can't necessarily control. Like, you can't outthink your feelings necessarily. So it's about, like, addressing them and not just, like, toxic positivity. <laughs> How do we make that a verb? Toxic positivity-ing yourself. Can we call it TPing? <laughs> Without throwing toilet paper at yourself. No toilet paper, but... <laughs> I, we gotta come up with something. But TPing, I just picture a bunch of toilet paper how on about, house. Uh, how about teapoxing? T-boxing. <laughs> sounds like a disease. <laughs> okay, how about toxic peeing? Is that better? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love it. We're going to keep it. Toxic peeing. Anyway. Uh, um... oh, that's that's better than T-peeing. Okay. <laughs> how about tox-pausing? Tox-pausing. There you go. Tox-pausing. Okay. It also slightly sounds like a disease, but it kind of is. So You know, anything <laughs> that involves like an ox and like ing, it just sounds like smallpox and yeah boxing. that's so true smallpox anyway, boxing the next poll says how much do you think toxic positivity has increased in the past year over covid times and this one's a little harder to quantify because i did one of those like sliding scale things and i would say it's about like 85 to 90 percent said yes so there's a pretty large consensus among the people that there has been more toxic positivity over the past year. Because again, I think it gets very tricky, and this is something we're going to talk about more, but I think it gets very tricky when it is true that you are in a privileged position and that people have it worse. And it's like, at what point do you draw the line of, you know, I'm feeling this way, but I'm in a very good position relative to others and I feel bad for feeling this way. You know what I mean? Like, 
there is a, it, what I'm trying to say is your feelings are valid, but there still is an element of like, you know, first world problems and like champagne yeah. problems where it's you do have to have a perspective of gratitude while still validating your feelings. So I think that's where people get the most hung up, especially in questions we've gotten where it's like there's a lot of issues and problems that people are facing in the world, especially right now and especially in the pandemic that it's it's hard to look at, you know, your own situation where you might be in a really good place that others would like kill for and then you still feel bad about your problems. So I, I get that it's just a really hard push and pull. Um, but basically what the poll was getting at is that a lot of people think that there has been more toxic positivity because of that. I think it's also a, a way that I've seen it. I mean, I've seen it grow and lessen this year. So I'll talk about both of those. But where I've seen it grow is also in use of your downtime. I've seen so much hmm. propaganda essentially on like, you know, use this time to like learn a new skill or reorganize your apartment, you know, cook, clean, become fluent in Chinese. Like, you know, you can take this pandemic by the horns and you can, you know, completely be the most productive you've ever been in your life. Especially seen, like March and April of last yeah, year. Yeah. And when it, when it first new. started. Mm -hmm. And I saw that. And I remember one day when I was just like upset and I was like not doing anything except sitting on my phone and or like reading a book maybe like all day. And I was like, I'm wasting this pandemic. I could have used this to like learn a more valuable skill to put on my resume and I need to be creating art and music and blah, blah, blah. And then I saw somebody else's post later that was like, hey, like all that stuff about all of these things you need to be doing during this time, like F that. You're trying to survive. You're trying to mentally stay on top of it. You're trying to like cope with your feelings, cope with your entire life shutting down. Like some days that's all you got to do is get through the day. And I saw that and I was like, well, thanks. That makes me feel loads better because that's exactly what I was doing today is just trying to get through the day. And yeah. so there's definitely an element of our like productivity culture that tried to find its way into and still does into the pandemic situation when it's just not the same. Like it's hard to compare like we've yeah. talked about before. But I think that also in this year, there's also been a growth of mental health awareness that I've never seen before. I think that a lot of people have been coming to terms with, you know, that perhaps they were, you know, diving into super productive days or, you know, working eight hour, 10 hour days on purpose to, you know, kind of distract themselves from, you know, whatever else was going on mm -hmm. with them or, you know, that I know that for a fact that there's been a huge rise of people seeking therapy and people who are therapy providers and um, psychiatrists as well as, you know, other psychologists and, um, you know, naturopathic doctors and, you know, lots of different people who help people with their physical and mental health have been inundated because many, many people are seeking out care for the first time. Mm -hmm. So I think that there definitely is a bit of a shifting culture in also talking about your mental health and talking about not being okay. And I feel like I'm seeing more influencers and, you know, people who are, you know, celebrities and people with public platforms talking about mental health and talking about, um, you know, not being okay and that it's okay to not be okay and that sometimes you just got to get through the day. But I feel like that started coming in the latter half of the pandemic. I feel like the first part of it was very much preachy, mm -hmm. like, you know, and, and, you know, also comparing struggles and all of that. So I definitely feel like I've seen both of it, but I feel hopeful in the growth of the mental health and, you know, toxic positivity conversation. Also, I think maybe 
you know, five years ago, this concept of toxic positivity, nobody would know what you were talking about. Like, no, if you were talking about it. And now the fact that there's like a term for it and something that people are recognizing, I think it's made a huge difference for some people, especially people who are, you know, they don't understand why they get so angry, you know, when somebody tells them, oh, it'll all be okay. You know, Mm -hmm. instead of being like, oh, well, that's a really positive statement that someone's saying to me. Like, I should be grateful for that. But now you can kind of understand, like, well, why does that make me angry? Oh, well, it's because it makes my feelings feel invalidated. Yeah. So. And also, this is something that came up in uh, the article that I read from earlier. Psychological studies show that hiding or denying feelings leads to more stress on the body and or increased difficulty avoiding the distressing thoughts and feelings. So especially when you're in a high stress time, like in a pandemic, and then on top of that, you're trying to suppress your own feelings about it and deny that anything is wrong, that's just going to make it worse because it's going to lead to physical manifestations of stress on your body and just compound the whole thing. So it's just by brushing under the rug and saying like, well, other people have it worse. That doesn't address the actual root of you know your own Mm -hmm. problems that are underlying that you're ignoring yeah Um, I I definitely think it has super negative effects on on you because it also it can trick you into trying to like you said like suppress how you feel and the more you do that you can become you know there can be like a cognitive dissonance you know as we were reading about in these articles or like a disassociation from reality you know that you start losing track of how to even feel your feelings or how to classify them or how to work through them or heal them. If you're so used to just like trying to, you know, push them down, push them down, push them down. Don't feel anything, you know, or talk Conceal, yourself out of it. Don't feel. Don't let them Literally, know. everyone becomes Elsa and then you explode and freeze an entire kingdom. Country. Like, that's why. It was literally her suppressed feelings yeah. is what came out, you know, and I think that just... It, Frozen is a story of toxic positivity (laughs) and family secrets. This is something that in this one of the articles we were reading, and these articles are great, guys, because it helps show the, like, science behind toxic positivity, which is, you know, more than just just a buzzword. Yeah, it's not just a buzzword, but, like, why, like, how scientifically it affects your moods and your brain. It's really interesting. But in one of the articles on scienceofpeople.com, an example was shared where this woman said, I was sharing my disappointment in something that happened to me at work and how frustrated I was about it. I was told, well, at least you still have a job. I felt like my frustration didn't matter and invalidated all my feelings entirely and it actually made me feel angrier. Mm-hmm. So I think that that there's nothing like I think the whole problem with that is starting with that, like saying, well, at least you still have your job. I think that's where the toxicity comes in is leading with your you know, that false gratitude, because that like saying, at least you still have your job. That's a way of being like, oh, we should be grateful for what you have because some people lost their job. But that doesn't mean that just because you still have a job that it's going to be perfect or hunky dory all the time. And there are still wrong things that can happen to you versus if you were instead to kind of shift that and say, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, do you want to talk about it? That sounds really frustrating. It's so great you still have your job. But that's really frustrating that that happened. Like, how can I support you? Yeah, validating their feelings. You know, like, you can still uplift or say, like, oh, well, you know, I'm Offer sure... Offer some tom- perspective. Yeah, without... I'm sure tomorrow at work will yeah. be a better day. But today really sucked. Would you like to go and have a walk? You know, right. like, you can... <laughs> That's a weird way of saying. It. Go go have Sorry, go have a walk. Like, like you like to go play on a computer. Have Would a you walk? like to go and have a walk? <laughs> like the new TikTok trend where they have the like uh, automated the voice, voice. reading. <laughs> Would you like to go and have a walk today? Oh, um, yes. So 
But you can still say something uplifting while still saying, sometimes when I'm having a rough day or something really bad happened, all I want someone to say to me is, wow, I'm really sorry that happened. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's like all I, I need someone to say yeah. is just like say that like they're sorry that happened. And, just and listening. then if, yeah. if they were to say, um, well, I bet you'll have a better day tomorrow. Like then that wouldn't feel bad to me. I would be like, yeah, you're, you know what? They're I not dismissing will. it with that. They're like exactly. listening to you, validating your feelings, but also offering something. And also something I wanted to point out is that it's important to kind of like read the situation. Like I saw a tweet recently that was um, this guy who said that his wife and him had created a system where when they're venting to each other, they immediately say, okay, do you want solutions or do you want Oh, what was the word he used? I oh, do you want to? Do you want comfort or do you want solutions? Basically, yeah, I love that. Do you want and comfort or solutions? It's true. It's like sometimes just because someone is ranting or letting out their feelings about something, it doesn't mean that they want you to solve it for them. It just means that they want to be heard. And mm-hmm. it's important to validate both of those situations and to be aware, even if you have to ask. You know, like don't just assume that someone wants like you know, your unsolicited advice, if they don't ask for it, that's actually something I pulled from one of the other articles. And I thought this was such a good point, is that the golden rule of toxic positivity is to offer advice or opinions only when asked, otherwise sympathize. So yeah, Mm -hmm. I think it's all about offering your sympathy and like being empathetic to understanding where they're coming from and like how they're feeling about it. And just hearing them out, you know, and then asking them if they would like your advice or opinions in a good way. I don't know. Yeah, like you could say something like, I have an idea that I think might help. Would you like to hear it or not today? You know, you could say something Mm -hmm. like that. I feel like that's saying, you know, or I have a I have a thought you in the space to hear it or not right now. You Mm -hmm. know, like I feel like you can, you know, by offering that, you know, it may not be well received. And then if they say no that's okay. You have to accept that and be like, okay, well. And it's not personal either. It's no, because of, of them not. and what, how they need to process through it. And I think that's something that I've always really struggled with is that I am naturally a very much like look on the bright side kind of person. And I do totally recognize that I've probably been like a toxic positivity source to people in the past. And I probably do it currently. And, you know, we all do this from time to time without even realizing it. Um, but I just naturally, like, whenever someone is saying something negative, my brain just goes to the bright side of it and, like, trying to turn it into something good and trying to, you know, pick the good things out of it. And I've definitely done that thing. Yeah, and I've definitely done that thing where it's like, oh, well, at least, you know, this, this, this. And, well, there's this part of it that's on the bright side and there's this part of it that you can be grateful for. And it's, like, always been something where I'm coming at it from a place of really wanting to help and offer solutions. And I think that's the thing that might be, I mean, I could be completely wrong here because I'm like projecting my own um, personality type, but it could be a personality type. It could be a personality type thing because I'm a thinker and not a feeler is that I'm always thinking about the logical side and the solutions and the, you know, I don't think of it from a place of like how the person is necessarily feeling. And so to me, I hear that someone had a bad time at work because of this and I'm like, oh, well, you know, I think you could do this. And I think that um, I could get better at like actually just hearing them out and knowing that they don't always want my solutions because yeah, i feel like you're very you are very solutions based and i i thought yeah. like you you want to get 
you want the person to be okay because you care about them. It's not like you don't care. Like you very much care about them and want them to be better. But you say see that the way to get better is to find to do something. <laughs> the root of the problem, find the solution, and then move on. Like yeah. that's that's very because I remember once when I came home from the bar and I think I've told this story before in college and I was literally sobbing on the couch about something with an ex and I was literally like crying. I had mascara smeared all over my face and Mina, um, my friend, uh, she was sitting on the couch with me and like holding my hand and like talking me through it. And I remember Christy just walked in disappeared for a while and I was like I didn't know where she was I was just crying with Mina and then she came back and she'd made me a grilled cheese and she just handed me the grilled cheese and she was like I'm sorry you're sad and then just gave me this grilled cheese. I was like maybe this grilled cheese will help improve her quality of life at this moment. I was also like drunk so that's No but it was it's such a it was very sweet because it was like it was a solution you're like I I can't deal with her feelings right now I don't know what to say I don't know how to be there. Mina was able to be there but you made me a grilled cheese so that I could at least not be sad and hungry. <laughs> there you go, yeah. Um, so, so sometimes toxic positivity comes in the form of a grilled cheese. But... Um, I don't think that's toxic, though. I no, think that's, I don't either. I'm just I think that's joking. a way of saying, like, it's okay to say I don't know how to help. Like, that's okay to say And that's to somebody. one of the things that came up, too, is that you can literally say, like, what do you want me to do? How can I help you? And if they just say, like, I just want to talk about this and I just want you to listen, like, just be there... And sometimes that'll mean so much more. Like, you might feel desperately like you're not helping if you're not doing something, like, if you're kind of like me. And that's not the case. Like, sometimes people just want to be heard. And we talked about this in another episode that's coming out next week, but you can't expect you from other people. And so something I've learned just, like, growing up is that just because I want to immediately solve problems and get to solutions and find the logical pieces of it doesn't mean that other people need that and it's about knowing them and being self-aware of like where you need to stop yourself from saying those things and like Mm -hmm. just saying on the bright side blah 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 and just hearing them out and validating their feelings um but that is something that I really struggle with too is like it frustrates me sometimes when I don't necessarily get it because I don't feel that their feelings and I'm like it's it's frustrating because I can't I can't offer them a solution, you know? And it's like just and trying to listen. And sometimes that's okay. Well, yeah, and it's, it's And I know that's hard for that. you. It's hard for you to not have a solution because you feel like you're failing. If you don't come up with a solution for them, you're like failing them as a friend or you're not like well, doing not giving your that. all. It's not even that I feel like I'm failing. It's just I feel like that person isn't going to see anything better. Like it's not going to help them, you know? Like right. it's not going to get better for them even though it, they actually will feel better just talking about it. But that, to me, I don't feel better just talking about my feelings. So just, like, listening to them, I feel like they're not getting steps forward to come out of it. But in reality, that's what they need. And just because I don't need that in the same way doesn't mean that it's not helpful for them. So it's about just, like, knowing yourself and your relationships with other people and, like, what they right. need and being in touch with that and asking them and communicating with them. You were yeah. talking about earlier, I want to read this because it's a perfect segue when you are talking about... Um, you know, asking how can I help or when you don't know what to say in the Signs of People article, they give a list of phrases that are um, like non-toxic phrases or things you can say instead mm-hmm. of traditional tropes. And some of these are, um, how can I help you? Is everything OK? What can I do to make this less stressful for you? This is tough. Can I do anything? It must be hard. Can you tell me about it? It's so hard to see the good in this situation, but we'll make sense of it when we can. Would you like to talk about it? Um, I know things can get really tough, and I'm here for you. And a few example of phrases to avoid, at least as, I mean, I'm not saying, like, you should never say these phrases, but again, like, things that you should 
couple with other more understanding statements are it'll all be fine. You should smile more. God, if someone said that to me, I would yeah, punch no. him in the face. Sounds like a don't, creepy guy at a I know, right? Line. Like, <laughs> yeah. Don't worry about it. It could be worse. Don't be so negative. Always look on the bright side. Everything happens for a reason. Think happy thoughts. Like, literally those phrases just make me want to fight, like, just hearing them out of yeah, context. Yeah, see, for me, though, like, that doesn't trigger me. Like, I... I genuinely go to it naturally like it could be worse and I'm so grateful that it's not worse like and that makes me feel better somehow so I don't know I mean it's just that everyone's different is the thing and that is one of the things that we asked on uh, our Instagram polls yeah I was actually just about to read a DM right now okay yeah but one of the questions in the question box was where do you draw the line of where your positivity becomes toxic? Because I don't think it's always bad to try and help people see a perspective and like put a positive spin on things. Obviously, there's a line and that's why we're talking about it in this episode. But it's just interesting of where do you draw that? Because like, again, there's a fine line between, you know, your feelings are valid and that episode of the Kardashians that's like, Kim, there's people that are dying, you know, like crying mm-hmm. over a diamond earring. It's like, okay, where's the line there? You know, like... We actually had somebody just ask us this um, in our DMs. She said, I have a question about this. Is it toxic to tell myself it could be worse? I'm supposed to move to Denmark from Germany because to do my mas- to do my master's there, but I can't enter the country at the moment because of COVID, and it sucks to be stuck at home and just be bored. But I tell myself that, yes, it's annoying, but I am still so privileged and lucky. I do have a job I can do remotely. I live in a house with my parents who love me. I don't have to worry about money right now, and most importantly, me and my family and friends are all very healthy. So I don't really have anything to complain about, and yet the whole time, the situation is so depressing. And so I think that's a very good example of, you know, is it toxic to tell yourself it could be worse? Because, yes, it could always be worse. But I think the key, at least for me, the key thing is to you first have to acknowledge your feelings. You can't just say it could be worse. And like when you're sad about something or feeling like having a hard day to say, oh, it could be worse and move on. Yeah. Like, you like have you're to not ag- choosing to feel sad. And that's the hard part, especially when you're a logical person is... You know, we are not your in feelings control of our feelings. Yeah. yeah, we are not. We're in control of our reactions, mm-hmm. but we are not in control of our feelings. I believe our f- feelings just, they come and they go and you have to accept them and how long they linger within you. Sometimes that can be within your control, but you have to let them in and acknowledge like, I'm feeling sad. Like, why? Let's think about this. Like, I'm feeling angry. Yeah, I'm addressing feeling stuck. The why. Yeah. You know, addressing it and sitting with it, but then how you're able to kind of let it sit with you for a moment and then let it pass is I think sometimes a little healthy dose of perspective is good. Mm -hmm. And I don't think having perspective is toxic. I think that's a big difference. Having perspective is good because there are people who are suffering greater things. You know, there are people who are suffering greater, you know, injustices and struggles. And, you know, the pandemic has affected different, you know, groups of people differently and at different different levels of severity but that doesn't mean that you should be joyous to be stuck at home when you should be having fun in grad school you know that's it's just so tough because I totally get it and like yes your feelings are valid I want to say that off the bat but to be bored is such a privileged problem to have like it is straight up I just can't get past like I'm not saying this directly to the person that wrote in at all but just in general like whenever I find myself being like oh my god I'm so bored like I wish that I could go do this and that the world was normal again I'm like I have to kind of talk but I don't think that's toxic that's the thing it's like I have to put myself in check and be like yo like you have such a good life and 
I don't know. Like, I feel like to say you're bored and that's your worst problem, I I just don't think that, I don't know. That's tough. I don't want to get, get canceled what... for this either. No, but... you're not. I, I think it's important. I mean, I really hear what you're saying. you got to be honest about this. Like, it is a privilege to be bored because there are people who are suffering things much greater. But who are forced if you to had be, this... like, working to make a living on front lines and, like, they would kill to be bored, you know? But they have to, like, pay their bills by being exposed to the virus. Like, there's so many problems that I just can't help but think about when I, like, think about my stupid problems, which I know is, like, another toxic But we're all thing. on different paths, and, like, the people who work on the front lines are incredible, and I have so much respect for them, but somebody who worked their ass off to get into grad school, you know, and who is, you know, has this plan for their life, you know, they also, you know, worked really hard to get there. Yeah, no, and, I get that. And so, like, and, you know, she'd been working really hard, studying, you know, was excited to go to, you know, this new adventure in this new country at a certain time in her life, you know, and start this new adventure in grad school, but she can't right now. And she's just waiting and she's just waiting. And, you know, she had all these plans for her life and all these things she was going to do, you know, and now she's just stuck at home. I think it would be crazy to be like, oh, well, she should just be grateful she's bored it's like well no that sucks like that situation sucks and And i'm not trying to say that in like just to this person i'm kind of projecting to myself because i feel myself like feeling that sort of guilt for like feeling sorry for myself in my position now so just to make that clear like i'm not saying that this girl who wrote in is like yeah i'm sorry to the person who sent this and we're not (laughs) trying to spend so much time dissecting Um, your struggle because it's a good broader conversation it's so relevant because there are so many of us who are very lucky to be bored bored. yeah but at the same time we would never have wished this upon ourselves and if you were to isolate it from the rest of the pandemic if say for example it was just her university that shut down and everything else in the world was going on as normal and she was forced to be at home with her parents and she couldn't go to the school but everything was operating as normal it would shift the perspective scale and everyone would be like wow how hard for her that really sucks she worked so hard you know, and all this stuff. But because the thing is, is so much grander on the other side, when you're in that position, you feel guilty. You feel guilty for being sad because you are a compassionate person who cares about the well-being of others. Mm-hmm. I think that that guilt comes through from a place of compassion for others. And I don't think it's something to be ashamed of. But I do think what's really important is to acknowledge that it is okay to feel sad that life is not going the way you planned it to go. And I think whatever your life trajectory is, if it's not going the way that you planned it to go when you worked really hard for it to go a certain way, you can mourn that and you can feel bummed about it. But then it's important to sort of have a healthy dose of perspective to realize that, yes, things are more intense for others out there and to have some gratitude for your current situation and for the things you can control. You know, it's a quote my dad always says is don't don't let what you can't do interfere with what you can do. Yeah, and I think that one. you have to focus on what can you do and what can you do to make a difference. Maybe it's doing something to help those people who do have it harder off, you know, making masks you can donate to your local hospital. Maybe you do a little food drive. Maybe you do something that makes you feel like you're making more of a difference. But that doesn't mean you can't say, hey, I'm really effing bummed that I can't be in my grad school right now. So. Right. And I'm not telling this person or anyone to just, like, just because you're bored, just brush it under the rug. Because, again, like we said, no matter how big or small these things are, regardless of, you know, the logic or the facts, like, you are feeling a certain way. 
And whatever you tell yourself or hiding or denying those things like we read before, it's only going to lead to more stress. And like we said, that guilt that it comes with, um, like putting that on top of those feelings, like you do have to address it and you do kind of have to be a little reflective. And maybe that is with some perspective, um, but it is kind of just focusing on yourself and what you can do with what you have and the cards that are in your hand right now at this moment. And I definitely feel for you if things are not going how you hoped and we all are in the same boat. Um, But it is just tough when you're like shooting yourself into how you should feel and, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's a very good case of where do you draw the line? So, and I think it's different for others. And I think that our own personal biases are going to affect that. Like you said, you've been, you know, obviously, We both have privileged positions right now, you know, with, you know, I lost two jobs in this pandemic, but yet I've been financially okay. I have a roof over my head. I'm not caring for small children who I'm having to work at home and teach them online at the same Mm -hmm. time. Like, you know, I like we're not missing out on like a college experience or anything and like minor. But at the same time, you know, there are people who have said, wow, I feel to me like, wow, I feel so bad for complaining. I didn't lose a job at all. Mm-hmm. you know, when I lost two. But to me, it's so it's all it's all it's relative. So relative yeah. But I would never tell that person who, you know, you know, she's like, oh, I didn't lose any jobs, but I had to postpone my wedding. And for me, I'm like, oh, well, I lost two jobs, but I didn't have to postpone a wedding. So I, I don't have it any worse. You know what I mean? Like, so it's all, you know, what do you <laughs> perspective? Uh, guilt is in the eye of the guilt holder. I don't know. It's <laughs> it's uh, I understand where you're we coming from. We all have sacrifices and they're not all objective either like the size of your sacrifice you know to one person um losing a job might be completely devastating and turn your life upside down but to another it might just you know change something slightly and it's like you can't apply your own life situation to someone else because it would play out differently for everyone too so right it's complicated and that's why we wanted to talk about it because it's important to talk about things that aren't black and white and there's a lot of shades of gray when it comes to toxic positivity and what is you know a healthy dose of perspective and what is just making it worse so i think that when you are talking i just kind of came up to this this conceptualization as we were talking just now about like when if you're talking with someone who's going through something and and you want to you don't want to be toxic but you still want to leave them with an uplifting message right have you know your inch well i think of it like an intro a body and a conclusion you know in this right an essay to them (laughs) well when you address it have the intro be very you know that sounds really tough you know or acknowledging their feelings having you know acknowledgement and sympathy and like that sounds really tough wow that must be really hard you know all of that have the body be, you know, how can I help? Or are you looking for solutions? Are you looking for comfort? Mm -hmm. You know, how can I help? How can I, what Mm -hmm. do you need? How can I do that for you? Have that be the body. And then in your conclusion, wrap it up with some kind of uplifting statement. Well, I I hope tomorrow will be better for you. Um, I have full confidence that you're going to make it through this. I know you and I think you're going to come out on top. Like you can say those kind of statements, but have it be more towards your conclusion instead of your intro if that makes sense, because I feel like when you can kind of have your, you know, intro acknowledgement, your body paragraph. Yeah, because it could come off that you're just shutting down their feelings from the start if you just lead with, like, this positive blanket statement and it's like, this right. doesn't even fix anything. Yeah. But if you kind of end with that when you've already, 
made acknowledged them feel the acknowledged issues, and yeah. heard, then you can end with them on a positive note and maybe that will help them transition out of whatever they're feeling. And I'm not saying you always have to end everything with like a super positive statement, but I'm just saying if you are really a positive person who likes to help people see the bright side, there's nothing wrong with that. Just don't lead with that. Because mm-hmm. when you lead with that, that can leave people feeling dismissed. Yeah, definitely. Or they might even tune it out to begin with. So, yeah. interesting. Um, I do want to bring up kind of the notion of having different relationships with different people and how you respond to them and, like, confide in them in different ways. Uh, Sierra mentioned earlier briefly the bad weather friend versus fair weather friend, which is something that I had never heard of before we read this article. It's from scienceofpeople.com. The bad weather friend is there for you. He or she or they, they have your back during the tough moments, during the ups and downs, the roller coaster ride of emotions in our life, aka the bad weather, the storm. These are your close friends you can always rely on, family members you always trust, your cat or dog, as long as they're (laughs) willing to put up with it. And then the fair weather friend, however, will only stick around during the good times, the fair weather, and leave you as soon as you've got a real problem. They will tell you to cheer up, make an excuse, or, hey girl, you better stop bringing those bad vibes my way. Here's an example from this woman named Maureen. After having a miscarriage, I broke down while telling a close friend about the experience. Her response was, Everything happens for a reason, and you'll have more luck next time. God, how horrible. I know she was trying to be friendly and supportive, but it made me feel like my feelings were invalid. So, dealing with difficult people in your life, whether it's a boss, friend, or co-worker, sometimes you need a little intervention. Um, so, I... I can't imagine somebody, if someone had a miscarriage and saying something like that, but I know that that's something that happens, is that I have read um, statements or what do you you call them, like testimonies from from women um, who have had miscarriages and that people, it's an uncomfortable topic because it's so sad and that there are people so personal who, and very personal, who have just dismissed saying, oh, well, you know, you 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 can try again, or you know, you can. Everything happens for a reason. Like, what on earth is that supposed to mean to someone? Everything mm-hmm. happens for a reason. You lost your literal child, and yet, what what could possibly be the yeah. reason for that? You know, it's like obviously in the long scope of life, we look back and we see things, and you you know that illuminated a path for you based on trials and hardships you faced. But when you're in the moment of that pain, that's not what you want to be focusing on. You know, Mm -hmm. you want to have someone who's going to help you. You're not sitting there like waiting to see the clarity of your self-development from this hurdle. You're You're just trying to get over the hurdle. You're trying to survive. Mm -hmm. And I think that oftentimes people jump to toxic things like that, trying to help, trying to help you find the light. But also, like I talked about earlier in the intro, because it's so hard for them to take on that emotional burden, especially if the person yeah. who is trying to ask for help or talk or wants to talk about their trauma is more comfortable being vulnerable and is more comfortable being personal. But the person to whom they're speaking is not, is like a very like, you know, closed off or very private person, likes to keep it surface level. They literally don't know how to handle that. And so I think oftentimes they turn to toxic positive statements thinking that they're being a friendly and supportive person, but mm-hmm. you end up doing more harm than good. So I think that this, this, uh, the bad weather friend, you know, says something like, so the, in the little example they give you, the bad weather friend says, or the person who's sad says, Hey, I just lost my job. I'm feeling really down today. The bad weather friend says, Oh, I'm so sorry. What is there I can do to help? And then the fair weather friend, when the person says, Hey, I'm just lost my job. I'm feeling really down today. The fair weather friend says, 
Oh, hey, did you know it's National Potato Day today? Gotta run. Is that one of the examples? (laughs) That's what the example is. But um, just someone who, like, doesn't, they they, they change the subject. They dart around the bush. They're going to make you a grilled cheese. (laughs) Yeah, but you know what? I appreciated your grilled cheese. If it's someone who you're really close to who does something like that, I think it's okay to say to them and be like, hey, like, I don't know if you know this, but, like, when you said that to me, it kind of made me feel this way and here's why. Like, maybe next time you could, you know, tell me that you're really sorry that happened. And that's scary to do, but I think sometimes it's better to bring those kind of things to people's attention because they don't know, always know they're doing it. Yeah, definitely. And using, like, I statements and focusing on how it made you feel specifically and not trying to, like, accuse them of anything I think would be, like, very key in that situation. Um, But I definitely think that it can be hard because... Sometimes if you really want to be a good bad weather friend and you don't know how, I think it's okay to admit and to be honest and just say like, I don't know the perfect thing to say, but I am here for you and I want to help in whatever way you need me and just be straight up with them and just, you don't even have to say much, but just be a good listener and take what they're saying to heart and, you know, being there for them. And sometimes all they need is that shoulder to cry on essentially and hear them and validate their feelings okay so one of the questions that we asked on the instagram was at what point do you think healthy positivity turns toxic and so we're just going to read some of these uh quick fire style our favorite and again they kind of reiterate things we've said but i think it's it's looking at it in other people's perspectives i think is really important too So the first one, which is very in line with what we said, is when it becomes a way for people to invalidate others' feelings of genuine distress. When it negates and belittles real feelings you're experiencing. Yeah, when it denies you healthy grief. That's so true. Like preventing Mm -hmm. someone from going through the stages of grief by like shoving positivity down their throat. Like I think that's where the problem is. Mm -hmm. When you begin to cover up and hide your true emotions rather than just staying positive. Mm-hmm. And also, I think um, what's really important to bring up about toxic positivity is that by allowing someone to work through their feelings like authentically, it's not that you're preventing them from being positive. It's going down a sustainable road that's going to leave, lead to a positive outcome later, you yeah, know, exactly. by like painting over it with the toxic positivity. That's just going to crumble when their real feelings resurface. But if you're because actually it's addressing it under, the issue, yeah, you're sweeping it under mm-hmm. the rug. It doesn't mean that the dust goes away. It just means when you keep sweeping it under the rug, you make a giant mound under the rug, and then you're going to trip over it later and hurt yourself really right. bad. Right, and they still will come out the other side after working through it in a more positive place, and you can help them through that. But um, it's not going to get there, and it's not going to stay if it's just a band aid of positive quotes and stuff. Which I think mm-hmm. is what I've really struggled with in the past is like wanting to be like I just want to help them in a way that's going to lead to a positive outcome but sometimes that means like skipping over the tough part that's necessary in that process back to you when it becomes toxic when you no longer allow yourself to feel emotions sadness is real and valid when people push it on to others and judge them for not feeling the same when people are known for their positivity like that is their (laughs) capitalized b brand tm And I think that's so interesting is when people make positivity into a personal brand. And, you know, it's just it's not realistic. Like, I think people follow those accounts, whether they're influencers or YouTubers or whatever. And I am 
guilty of this in my past. I will 100% own up to that, that I... All through, like, college, I was all about, like, being, oh, well, I'm the positive one. I'm always sunshine and rainbows. I'm student body president. I'm head cheerleader. I wear pink. I wear yellow. I put daisy stickers on my planner. I am so positive TM all the time. TM. And <laughs> what ends up happening with that is that I felt like I literally had to be this model carbon copy perfect, positive person all the time. And that when I was having a bad day, I needed to still put on my mask, my pretend. persona mm -hmm. and pretend. And you want to know something funny that I didn't think was true, but I learned real what? quick is that people see through that for the bullshit it is right away. Oh, People yeah. can, <laughs> when you're not being authentic, like I literally had somebody tell me when I was at Horror Nights working my first year, like, Someone said something like, and it really slapped me in the face, but it woke me up. They're like, yeah, Sierra just kind of acts all the time like, like everything is perfect all the time when we all know that, like, it's not, you know? And someone said something like that, that about you, no, about me. And someone told me they said it, um, mm -hmm. like they were talking about me behind my back and it's okay. You know, like, I'm not mad about it, but like they were saying that, like, they didn't feel like they could connect with me because mm -hmm. I wasn't real. Like I was always trying to like be this sunshine out the ass person and so they didn't feel like they wanted to open up to me about what they were going through because they, because they would like get I'd... the everything happens for a reason kind of like that or that I would just anything I would say wasn't really authentic because I would never open up about anything that I was going through I was mm -hmm. always oh well I've had a great day my weekend was great my life is great my sunshine is great it's so freaking happy and all the time I'm freaking la la from the Teletubbies you know like Nobody wants to open up to a person like that because you don't feel like they're a real person. You can't relate somebody to that. Was, mm -hmm. Yeah, somebody was saying that about me and it got back to me. And it was such a slap in the face because I was like, what, what are they talking about? They don't know my life. I've been through hard stuff. And then the person I was talking to was like, well, do you ever like tell people that? Do you ever like have a hard like let them. like let down your guard and stop like like let down your smile, let down your guard, lower your shoulders, lower the tone of your voice and just be a real person? And I was like, damn, like, no, I don't like because I'm like, I thought that people didn't want to see that. Yeah. I thought that that was boring, that that was lame, that that wasn't uplifting. I thought I had to be everyone's personal cheerleader all the time and that that would make me likable and I'd be the sunshine girl. But the reality is nobody wants the sunshine girl if it's not authentic. If you're having a shitty day, people would much rather see shitty day girl than sunshine girl if it's a real human being. Mm -hmm. And that is a lesson I had to learn the hard way. And I feel like it's that like persona that I created for myself. I'm kind of, I'm kind of free from it now. And it, it feels pretty good. That is good. It's hard when it's like, you feel like you tie it to your identity though, because it's not a like, life is ups and downs. So if yeah. you make your entire brand about being ups, like, what happens when you hit the downs? You know? It's just not real. So you pretend and then point. you think people don't notice. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's what happens. Yeah. So, and I can imagine how hard that is in, like, a world where if that was someone's brand that, like, became their livelihood and then, you know, especially on social media with everything being such a highlights reel, you know, it becomes so easy to perpetuate this culture of, like, oh, everything's great all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, and you post something on Instagram to prove to everyone that everything is great, and it's really not. 
I do think I've noticed less of that, though, recently in the last couple of years, which is good. Oh, this one's really good about the um, when is when do you cross the line or when does it you know, cross the line of detox positivity is she said, you deny feelings in the short term that are going to hurt you in the long run by bottling them up. Yeah, exactly. And so I think that's exactly what we talked about earlier about the um, how it physically affects your your mental health and kind of creating that, you know, the dragon effect, which is what they talked about. And I think it was the it, I think it was still Wait, in can science. Can you explain of, it? Oh, the dragon effect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In, in the science of people. Um, well, they call it the negative jar buildup, but they use a dragon in the graphic. So that's why I came up with the <laughs> dragon effect. Um, it's uh, so this person's holding a jar of um, negative feelings. And they said, my cat just passed away. And then the toxic positive person said, don't worry, it'll all be fine. And then the person holding the jar says, uh-oh, because the jar fills up to the top. And the person says, what's happening? And the neg- the lid of the jar of negative feelings blows off. And this red dragon comes out that then starts burning down the whole city. So it's kind of like everything got bottled up. And then they were small, like short-term things that then became long-term blow-up things because they weren't addressed and acknowledged yeah, and those in, things in the moment. Yeah, to be worse. Yeah, that's so mm-hmm. true. Oh, this is good. When there's no listening involved, only advice giving. Listening is crucial. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like when you're quick to offer your unsolicited advice without even hearing them out. That's right. a problem. Or you think that because you experienced something that they will, you know, experience it or go through it the exact same way. Yeah. Because they won't. Or when you spend too much time thinking about what you're going to say to sound clever that you're not actually listening. Right. That's not active listening. We got a few DMs that I wanted to share that kind of just touch on their own experience with toxic positivity. So um, we will make these kind of quick because I know we've been talking for a long time. But this one says, I'm a year post-grad from college and learned about toxic positivity maybe only two years ago. I was the toxic positive person for a long time in college and it wasn't until the end of my junior and senior year that I was like, dang, I'm putting so much onto other people to fix their shit through my positive actions. It also took a major toll on myself personally because I would believe the stuff I told others and myself too. I never sat in my feelings, reflected, or told myself it was okay to have bad days. I thought others were just not doing enough if they had a bad day. It was a mind shift to take care of myself more and go through the crap and come out the other side while being realistically positive. Thanks for bringing this up. I really look forward to this episode. Okay, this is particularly relevant. This says, on the toxic positivity topic, especially right now, Louisiana, where I am, in Texas, are going through it. People, even here experiencing it, are so quick to say, oh, it's okay, it'll get better, just pray about it, God will provide, etc., etc. Like, okay, thanks, but no thanks. My house is freezing, my roof is leaking, we will not have power for days, etc., etc. I'm not saying everyone has to understand, because that's simply not true or realistic. I just wish it was the social norm for people to ask, how are you doing? Do you need anything? Even if you can't offer something, because it's just about being genuine and compassionate in that situation. Not everything is butterflies and rainbows. I also mentioned in the question box that I wish people understood that depression and anxiety does not just go away when someone tells us to be happy. My boyfriend gets really aggravated when he's super anxious and someone tells him it's going to be okay. Like, of course it is, but that's not what he needs right now. So, yeah, that's a whole nother thing is, I mean, that's mental health is a huge topic that we want to try and explore in later episodes that would take its own time and expertise and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But that is a big part of it, too, is that when people are trying to dismiss your own mental health issues and real issues that 
you can't just fix by like thinking positive quote unquote and like she's saying like there are real problems with you know people lacking power and water in texas and other places right now where it's you can't just say oh it's okay and that doesn't fix it and you have to really address the real issues and like help people where you can i think that this is something and again this might be an unpopular opinion but i'm just gonna say say my mind but there was an example someone sent in about an influencer who was posting about how their their washer broke and there was like water and plastic all over the ground and uh you know, it was really hard for her. And then, you know, it was during you know it's what's going on right now with like all the, the South and Texas and Louisiana, like in the cold and losing power. And a bunch of people, you know, came for her and were saying like, you know, oh, well, you know, how how could you be saying this? You know, the, these people don't have heat and you're complaining about your washing machine, like, you know, all this stuff and really coming for her. And I think that there's a difference in, you know, that she how do I articulate this? There's a difference between being toxic to yourself and also reading the room. I think that especially when you have a public platform, it is important to read the room, the room being current events and the room being realizing that you have a public platform Mm -hmm. um, and that oftentimes people with a public platform have a higher responsibility for the things that you speak out on, the things that you, you, you know, bring light to, that you talk about, you know, and it is a more risky thing when you're talking about something that you're going through in the light of a really huge disaster. And I think that was a big thing that happened when the Black Lives Matter movement began in, you know, late May and June when everything was really ramping up with that. Everyone took a break from social media and was only focusing on posting things that mattered in regards to, you know, amplifying Black voices and sharing things about the Black Lives Matter movement. And I think during that situation, somebody posting about their washing machine breaking in the middle of Black Lives Matter, people would have been pretty angry about that. And it's not like people are saying that you having a a washing machine leaking all over your house is not something to be upset about when that's going to cost you a lot of time, a lot of money, you just got this washing machine. Like, that's not the point. The point is sometimes you have to read the room. And I don't think that reading the room is being toxic to yourself. I think Mm -hmm. that that's acknowledging that you can still have your washing machine break and be upset about it and say, God, this really sucks. I just installed this. It's going to cost a lot of money. But maybe that's not the time when there is such a huge disaster going on where people don't have water and they don't have power. That doesn't mean it doesn't suck that your washing machine broke, but maybe it means you need to read the room a little bit more before making a public post. Do you kind of get mm-hmm. hear what I'm getting it's, at? It's just about not being insensitive with what you're saying at the time. Like what you're saying, mm-hmm. it's about the environment in which you're posting those things too. And it's, I think you're right. It's like, it's not saying that it's not a problem at all, but it's just saying that in that context, it's a little insensitive to the other things that are happening on a broader right. scale. So, again, there's not, like, a black and white, you know, chart you can look at, like, should I be feeling or saying this when X, Y, and Z is happening here? Like, it's really dependent on a lot of things, having that perspective of, you know, what's going on elsewhere and actually addressing those things, too. Yeah. In addition to with that, own. with that situation with the washing machine, when all these people reached out to her, she then later shared something that was like, I never should have um, complained about my washing machine. Like, I have it so good. Like, I have heat. I never should have been upset about this. Like, you guys are so right. And I don't necessarily agree with that because I don't think that she's in the wrong for being upset about her washing machine. I think it was not an issue of 
like a gratitude issue. It was more of a time and place issue. And there's something, yeah. you know, you can it was be, just being insensitive be set, to the exactly. Times. Yeah. You could and she what I think is that she should have more made an apology saying like this was an insensitive time to talk about my washing machine. And my heart goes out to these people that are suffering this. Here are some links to resources, how you can help, et cetera, et cetera. I think that addressing the insensitivity is more of a thing than saying that she shouldn't have felt those feelings and that she is so privileged and so she shouldn't have. You know what I mean? Like, I guess it just. Well, I guess. I don't know. I think it's it's kind of nuanced because I think there is a place in that that she could acknowledge her privilege and the things that she does feel grateful to have while not negating her own feelings about the issue, you know? Like yes. It's like, acknowledging privilege, but not saying, I regret feeling this way about the washer. You know, you don't have to say that because that's not true. Like, you're still validating that it was upsetting for you in that moment, but you acknowledge that there is other things that you're grateful for and you do recognize the situation and you do want to do this to donate and help, you know? Like, yeah. Not 100%. that there's an easy blueprint for everyone in every situation, um, and obviously it's up to you, whatever you want to say, if you even wanted to address that kind of thing, but that's what I would do personally. Yeah. Um, I just think there's a big difference between talks, uh, what, what did we decide it was? Tox pausing? Oh yeah, there's we haven't even used that the whole time. <laughs> I know. There, I want to use it now. There's a big difference between tox pausing yourself and addressing a time and a place and is this a sensitive time mm-hmm. to talk about this? Yes. That's right on the nose. I really like that. Anyway, on that note, I think we want to wrap it up. We have talked a lot about rap, rap, pause it up. R-A-P. Pause Wait, toxin. W-R-A-P. R-I-P. <laughs> Honestly, yes. R-I-P. Uh. Um, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode and to everyone who wrote in to us. It was so eye-opening and interesting to read your perspectives on the topic because I know a lot of people do feel strongly about this. And it is something that is kind of getting more attention and people are being more aware of. And it's important to recognize. And I think it would be better for everyone to kind of understand where their positivity might be toxic for a situation. We're not saying like people who say these things are toxic people or it's like always a bad thing and it's never, you know, malintent. But it's just kind of being aware of what you can do that's better for someone and how you can be there in a more in a more effective way, in a more sensitive way for them. And I would never blame somebody who, you know, the first time I talked to them about an issue, they kind of talks pause me. Like I wouldn't necessarily be like, oh, I hate this person. They're so toxic because half the time they don't realize they're doing it. They're trying to help. And it's also a learned behavior. So many of us have been taught that this is the right thing to do from our parents, from generations, from, you know, publicity and Mm -hmm. media. Yeah. Like that this is the right thing to do is to, you know, slap a smile on it, pull yourself up by the bootstraps and, you know, you keep on going. And I don't think that there's, you know, there's room for both. And that's a big takeaway that we want to say here is that healthy positivity is wonderful. It's It's amazing. (laughs) I love positive people and I love hanging out with positive people who look on the bright side, can laugh at their mistakes, can, you know, pull themselves up out of the gutter and move on and laugh about it but it has to come coupled with acknowledgement of your feelings working through issues it has to be coupled with acknowledgement and real feelings and real conversations and i think that's the biggest takeaway we want to say we don't we're not here to shame anyone we're all just about growth and that like i think by taking these steps you know christy and i have both learned a lot about ourselves and our our past ways of dealing with things and how we kind of want to make some adjustments moving forward to be the best people and friends that we can be. Mm-hmm. 
I agree. Well, thank you guys once again for being with us on this Tuesday. We are here every darn Tuesday, so subscribe to the podcast. You can rate us on Apple Podcasts if you would like, and send us a little DM. Reach out. We want to hear your thoughts. We love getting DMs after the episodes of what you guys really liked hearing and something that really stuck with you and et cetera. And some feedback. Absolutely. We love the constructive Yeah, we love, we love uh, feedback, positive and constructive. We just, yeah, we're all open to it. And also if you, this sparked a brilliant uh, episode idea that you have that you want us to discuss or you want us to talk about, you can always shoot that our way. We are always open to ideas as well. So we hope you guys have a fantastic Tuesday and that it is full of healthy positivity, acknowledgement and great conversations. And we cannot wait to see you guys next week. Until then, keep your fingers keep crossed. Keep your fingers crossed.